So close. Frontline health staff are the next in the queue. Yet so far. Of course it's frustrating. And insults fly. Why did you call Andrew Costa a wokester commissioner? Because he is. Kia ora and welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. I'm Benedict Collins. And I'm Jessica Much Mackay. And it's been a um, pretty full-on uh, week or so, isn't it? We, um, yeah. We've had another another COVID outbreak. You were called in um, late on Saturday evening. Yeah, the, um, the the week hasn't really stopped, actually. It's kind of been like a rolling week for us. Um, and, Every and day's a to, Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yesterday it was like, how how is it only still Monday? Um, but I think that kind of kicks off my um, pit for the week as well in terms of getting that call. We get a little bit of a heads up from the Prime Minister's office to say, hey, look, you need to get into Parliament because we have to... At that time in the evening, of course, we have to organise cameras. We have to make sure that we've got um, studio crew coming in uh, to the Auckland newsroom. We've got to make sure we've got um, enough people to in, in our master control to be able to get the feed And that's in and because out. we start taking it live, right? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. we're taking the live coverage. So we get that call. And um, although, you know, I get a lot of calls from the Prime Minister's Chief Press Secretary, um, I don't often on a Saturday and let alone on a Saturday night. So I have to say when his name popped up on my phone, um, I did have a little bit of a heart sink and then he let us know and for any parents out there you'll know um, that it's a little bit of a logistical exercise we'd arranged to go out for dinner with friends so I caught the cab down to the restaurant in Wellington and got the phone call and caught a cab back to parliament so there we go I think some some parents will be able to um, sympathise with me that, that um, one night off yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, at least I got to look forward to it so that was really nice so um, that was my my Oh, it totally makes up for it. Yeah, totally <laughs> um, so that was it. my pitch for the week. Yeah, awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, my pit for the week. Um, it's a bit of a long pit here. I'll try and speed it along. Okay. But uh, last week we went along to the. Um, uh, they every, every year they put out child poverty statistics because um, the Labour government, when they came in, they wanted to be held to account. They said, you know, they really want to make a, a difference for children in New Zealand and you know improve their quality of life and bring children up out of poverty. And they brought in all these measures to do that. Now, uh, Statistics New Zealand, they're normally pretty good to deal with, but they, they hold a press conference where they give out these um, give out these figures and they basically turn it into a bit of a, a lock-up, um, but a very, very strict lock-up in which they take um, uh, journalists' phones off them and uh, there's no Wi-Fi or anything like that. And they're very strict. Anyway, things kind of blew up a little bit at last week's conference where they ended up shouting at other um, at other centres around the country about taking their phones off them. At one point, their comms team was trying to rip the phone out of a journalist's hand in the Wellington newsroom. Um, you know, like kind of bordering on kind of aggressive behaviour from their, from their comms team at Stats New Zealand. And the kicker here is these stats are incredibly, incredibly old, right? So, like, they stopped collecting these in March last year. So already 12 months, but because of the way they carry out the survey, um, they actually ask about what's happened over the previous 12 months. So you look at information that's two years old um, and, and, you know, zero trust for the media. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I think it's the trust thing that's the issue, isn't it? Because, you know, we, we deal with embargoes on a daily basis and... Uh, respect them. There may be one time out of a thousand that someone accidentally does something, but in the press gallery we do it on a daily basis and, you know, even the budget lockup, which is hugely commercially sensitive, yeah. we have a degree of trust that you will follow the rules. Um, and I mean, maybe they just get to need to get to know the journalists a little bit more. Maybe that's what it is. 
yeah, I don't know whether it's power tripping or what, but um, yeah, so real, real, real overkill there. Um, you know, other members of their comms team were screaming, "The rules are the rules!" You know, like yeah, bizarre kind of behaviour for information that is very, very old. But anyway, um, also have I've got a peek for this week, and that was the um, story that broke last week about um, the housing minister Megan Woods having filmed a promotional um, celebratory video about having got. 12 families into um, homes. Now this caused a lot of delight with the, the National Party during question time last week. They were almost just about falling out of their seats laughing that the housing minister had filmed this video after getting just 12 houses in. Now it is it is a bit more complicated than this with progressive home ownership. You do have to, these are people who wouldn't have been able to get into a home normally, um, so, so they have to work with other providers and sort of get their debt down and, and get it planned in order to get to a house. But yeah, pretty, and there were some great political cartoons um, uh, you know, poking fun at at the minister, who I, I thoroughly enjoyed it when Megan Woods got up in the house and, and said, and it's important to note, Mr Speaker, this is no laughing matter, as, like, the national benches were just rolling in the aisles in hysterics. It was so much fun. Yeah, and, mm. that, and that's when you know you've perhaps lost lost the battle with <laughs> trying to explain things and trying to get into the details. Yeah. Um, my peak this week is um, perhaps a, a little bit old. Maybe lots of other people have seen this, but at um, festivals around... Um, around the over the last few months, they've had this really cool um, sort of clip with um, Dr. Ashley Bloomfield and Mikey Sherman actually um, retweeted it this morning. So have a look on her Twitter if um, you're wanting to have a look at it. And it was just, he's just such an unlikely hero and we're just seeing Dr. Ashley Bloomfield yet again just being turned into this really edgy um, clip that they play telling people about COVID and, you know, to wash your hands. And it's not meant as a public service message, it's meant as, you know, an entertainment clip. Um, but it's just, I just find it, it just blows my mind that Ashley Bloomfield, because we're now on the year anniversary to our first case mm. in New Zealand mm. arriving, and just how different his life must be between, and for his family, for his wife and kids, how different their life must be. Because literally if he walked into a party, uh, you know, 12 months ago, I'm not sure most of the press gallery would have known who he was. Now people in the street carry tote bags with him on and they like they rave to him at music festivals. And I just think it's <laughs> it's... Um, a nice light moment out of all of this. But I have to say it hasn't been uh, a light week. We've had a lot going on. So should we go through some of those? Um, should we start with, so Saturday night we, yep. we had the alert and got the news that we needed to be called in. So first of all, we found out that Cabinet was meeting and that the Prime Minister was had flown into Wellington. And that that's really a sign for us because if the Prime Minister stays in Auckland, it might not be great, but she obviously doesn't feel like it's enough to come down. She, when she comes down here to Wellington, we know that there's potential that it could ramp up, and, and it did. We had that but, yeah, nine... I, think, I think it's a sign it's almost definitely going to ramp up, eh? Hey? Yeah, yeah, I think she wouldn't waste her time. So my guess is that she heard that about the MIT visit, and that's when you have to think, right, there's potentially hundreds of people that they could have... Um, could yeah. have dealt with, so we need to come back and we need to look at the level changes. So at 9pm we got that and announcing that it would kick in at 6am the next day. And I think this is this is the problem because it was such a late press conference. Yes, you might have had been able to capture the people sitting at home and yes, those people who got their alert through on their text message. Uh, but it's not a long lead-in time. So no. other times we've announced it earlier on and then people have had the evening to catch up on the news. But they didn't have that leeway this time. So 6am, people get up. And if they haven't, I mean, it's. I think it's a hard concept for a lot of us to grapple with that 
you haven't looked at your phone, you haven't um, looked at a news site, you haven't um, talked to friends, you haven't been on social media. But of course, a lot of people haven't. So I think that's, you know, we've just got to realise that we've got to check ourselves a little bit that this is our lives but not everyone that's right and I think on, on, on Sunday night on the news we had um, there was there was one church um, group that they started turning up not you know quite a few people started turning up for church not realising that um, Auckland had been put into that you know alert level three which seems that surprising that, that out of that 50, those 50 people no one got it but mm. but that's what the minister told us so I think there was that message there but, yeah I, like um I'm not surprised that you know people missed out on that sort of late late message. Even though I got the alert on um, on my phone that night, but you know I guess not everyone may be getting those, or, or you know didn't quite fathom what it meant if they did. Yeah, and I think that has been kind of one of the themes that's gone on over the last few days, just about that communication side of things. And if people don't, if people know about it but choose not to, as we've seen over the last. Uh, last few days. That's one thing. But if people don't know about it and carry on their lives, that then falls in the lap of the government and officials for not communicating that properly. And we had issues uh, yesterday with um, Andrew McFarlane doing a story where on Facebook, on the official Facebook pages, there wasn't any advice on that. Now, for some people, that may have been the way that they could have got that information, they may have been checking social media. So I just think little things like that, that we've really, we're on the fourth lockdown for Auckland now. We really needed to have learnt these basics and and we haven't and not getting out into those communities where English is your second language, yeah. like that just seems like such a no-brainer that you should be using um, you know, ethnic community leaders to be getting that message across as well. It just, it feels like it, something that we should have ticked off. Yeah, and speaking of messages, um, we've seen a bit of a change in approach um, from the Prime Minister, who um, you know, has been highly critical of some of these cases in Auckland um, for going to work, for not isolating. You know, um, one person got a COVID test, then went to the gym, um, you know, and to class at MIT, and which, you know, kind of forced this, um, lock, this new lockdown in Auckland. What did you make of that? Yeah, I think... It's now been a year of almost daily listening to the Prime Minister talk about COVID-19. And I think at the beginning of each of her press conferences, she does a pre-prepared speech. All of us will be aware of that. We've, we've been watching those briefings. So what she chooses to talk about at that top is, I think, really important. So some, she likes to set that up so that, um, and I guess in some ways set the agenda for some of the questions that will come from that. And... She had, you know, she really wanted to reframe that message and say, "Hey, look, don't forget here, big picture. Here is here are stats from from America. Remember, um, this is about the death rate." And her message has changed. She, I think, in a couple of ways. So, first of all, it's changed in, "Hey, stick with my plan. Don't forget, we're still doing better than most countries." I think that's one thing. And the other thing is that we've heard over and over again, and I talked about this last night. It's not people's fault, it's COVID's fault, it's the virus, it's the problem, not the people. Whereas the last three days now, yeah. we've been hearing it's the people breaking the rules and that's why we're in this situation. And the Prime Minister is very aware of the wrath that that brings yes, on yes, social media yeah. because I just think, I mean, hopefully those people are just ignoring it because it's, it, you know, it, as much as you can. But it is, when the Prime Minister calls you out, you are being held, you know, you do get people hitting their keyboards and hitting their phones 
uh, to talk about that yeah, stuff. There does, there does seem to be a fair bit of dispute around what some of the cases were actually advised to do, though, mm. um, over whether or not, uh, not not so much the one who went out after being tested, but the other cases, I think the KFC worker, you know, there is dispute about, and it's just not clear about what they were specifically told to do. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit of, you know, come on, guys, this is our fourth one. We should know it by now. But I, but on the other side, I guess that for each, we've had gaps in between. So I think for all of us, we almost can, we need reminding again. Oh, yeah, so in level two, we do this, this, and this. In level three, we do this, this, and this. So I do think that people do need that reminding. And I guess then there's the question of, you know, even if you are being reminded, then, you know, this latest in- instance was two women going out for a walk. Mm. Um, walking is something that we've done, you know, we've been allowed to do. Normally a pretty, uh, you know, an activity to be encouraged. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, and in this case, they got the alert to stay at home and isolate and went out for a walk within 24 hours. And that's how that yeah. happened. And then there's all this bigger thing, maybe we just touch on this finally before we move on, about enforcement. And that's been a theme over the last few days as well, about, about you know, I think people's natural reaction when this happens is to say, OK, so let's just find them, let's prosecute them. And over the last year, we got some figures from police last night that said 834 people have been prosecuted, 5,500-odd people uh, have been given warnings by police. And for, for breaking lockdown rules, yeah? Yes, specifically yep. for yep. lockdown. And that's over the whole year, so over the yep. whole time that we've been in lockdown. So I think that, you know, there are that, that number is a reasonable number, so, so there is action being taken. But an interesting point that police wanted to make last night, and it did take them several hours to get this information through, but they did want to say that to act on, for people self-isolating, for them to be able to act on that, they rely on, on information from the Ministry of Health. At this point, the Ministry of Health hasn't referred any cases to them, and I'm not sure if they will, and we'll, we'll talk to Ashley Boomfield about this, because what you don't want to do is create this environment where you tell me every second place you've been because you're nervous about... Um, that, it, <coughs> that's right, right? It's the flip side yeah. of... of and the point that they make is when it comes to contact tracing, you want people to be as honest as possible mm. about where they've been, who they've met with, you know, so that you can start that contact tracing process. And if they're worried that they're going to get fined or prosecuted by the police, you know, that's going to be a big deterrent to providing that information. That information can help you shut down the, the next cluster. So it's a bit of a... The flip side of that, though, is if you were nervous about getting in trouble and being prosecuted, maybe you wouldn't break the rules. So that's, the, that's the other side of it too. But yeah. shall we shall we move on? Now, yes, and I'm pretty sure if Mikey was here, this would have been her um, peak for last week. This was um, Simon Bridges calling out who um, Andrew... Wokester Costa, Costa, the police commissioner. I thought you'd forgotten his name, so I just was helping you out there. Yeah, Yeah. Um, calling him out as a wokester on Twitter, and then um, we we followed up with that last week, um, which sort of several days of stories, and a um, rather enthralling uh, select committee where... um, Which you don't get to say that often, let's be honest. No, no, where it was um, Simon Bridges going toe-to-toe with the police commissioner. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, bigger picture on this, it's really interesting, because Simon Bridges was told to, you know, pipe down, stick to your lane, you're not the spokesperson for this by 
Judith Collins. But on the, at the same time, perhaps this message is appealing to Nationals' base, which is saying that the government's soft on crime, you know, they're, they're taking too much of a... Um, of an airy-fairy approach. So it's kind of a mixed message there where he was told off by Judith Collins and then there's the other layer of being a former leader. So it's yeah. all, there's a lot going on in this story. And I, I sort of wonder what Simeon Brown thinks, right, as National's police spokesperson. And here you've got Simon Bridges like totally dominating your portfolio. And didn't, I think they... I, Unrepentedly I mean, dominating yeah. your portfolio. But he was, they were kind of tag-teaming together in the select committee. The select committee. Yeah. So yeah. maybe all is forgiven because um, perhaps we wouldn't have been there in that select committee if um, it hadn't been for Simon Bridges being so firm on it. So uh, it's, uh, do you know what I mean? I'm not mm. sure if we would have been drawn to that issue specifically. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll ask Simeon next time. Yeah, and I think, I, think, um, I think the commissioner gave as good as he got back yeah. in, that, in that select committee as well. Mm. Yeah, it was good fun. Um, and, yes, very, Mikey very much enjoyed writing those stories, I think it's fair <laughs> yeah. to say. Yeah, um, and um, child poverty. So we can dig a bit more into those um, stats. So while, while it's, the information is pretty old, it showed that the government basically was on track um, to achieve what it wants to achieve in terms of reducing poverty. We are really early on, though. I think it's year two of ten. Um, and so what did, what did those figures had shown up until March when COVID-19 came along? Um, they, they were kind of on track. They had lifted, they were, I think there were about 125,000 kids in material hardship. And they judged that basically they've got a big sort of a basket of items. Like if you can't regularly afford fresh food, fresh fruit and veggies or if you can't afford shoes or shirts, stuff like that. That's how you end up in that material hardship category. Um, there were about, around 125,000 there, 20,000 kids had been lifted out. Um, but it's not all equal, right? So for, um, for I think for European kids, you've got one in 11 kids living in poverty. Uh, when it comes to uh, Pacifica kids, it's one in four. So big disparity there for Māori kids, and they started collecting information on disabled children as well. It's one in five if you're a disabled child or Māori child. Um, you know, so a real disparity there between you know different ethnic groups. Um, now the Children's Commissioner was saying, you know, this is just profoundly bad news um, to have that disparity there um, for, for disabled kids and for Māori and Pacifica kids compared to to European kids. You know, and really calling on the government to, you know basically spend more money and help help lift more kids out of poverty. And the thing is, is this is the Prime Minister has said that this is her priority. She's mm. the minister responsible for this issue. And what's really hard is because of COVID, they stopped recording that data and it's really hard to measure then how she she's been doing on that really big key issue. Because I think that, you know, when you can say that they're on track, but then COVID hit, and that's going to make a big difference for a lot of people. Yeah, so it's an interesting point that what happened with COVID here. So they base this information, they go around the country and they survey 20,000 people, and they're pretty in depth interviews with those 20,000 people. They do it over 12 months, um, and, it, and it's face to face all over the country, so they get a really good cross section. So when we got to March last year and we went into lockdown, they couldn't go around and, and they decided they couldn't do it over Zoom or the phone or anything like that. So they basically shut it down um, completely. So, yeah, so you had, a, you had nine months of data. But, you know, it, it is kind of disappointing that coming into you know, COVID, we've seen thousands and thousands of people lose their jobs. Um, you know, those, you know, emergency food grant 
numbers have just rocketed. You know, one and a half million has like quadrupled in the We're last couple of years. We're looking at that again today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, food banks just getting smashed all mm-hmm. over the country with with you know, huge numbers of people unable to afford food. So it's yeah, it's it's kind of disappointing that they can't figure out a way to get information more quickly around what is happening with child poverty. But they are. They, there will be more information and a bit more of an update in this year's budget um, that will come out in May, so that we should get some more updated figures. And but when yeah. will we get those? So May is when we'll get that next tranche of figures, but that won't cover COVID, is that right? Uh, it should cover some should. of it. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. will get a better picture in yeah. May, I guess, an update yeah. on how things are. And Stats okay. New Zealand, they said, that, I mean, they're not happy either with how long it takes them mm. to turn around um, the, this information because we kind of get it in February, even though normally... Uh, the survey's finished in, in end of June. Mm. Um, so it's still taking them seven, eight months. But they, they're reliant on other data as well that comes through from IRD, and they said that's what takes them longer, but they are trying to figure out ways to try and turn this information around quicker. Um, you know, because it, it is really key to this, because it's... The, you know, it is sort of this government's um, one of their biggest one of their biggest priorities anyway. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Should we leave it there? I think we should. Yeah, okay. was there anything? No. Oh, we good. We just... Awesome. You know, if if we're watching back this back in a year, we're Auckland's still in level three lockdown. We find out on Friday um, whether that will be lifted again on um, Saturday night. Would it be if it is? I think lifted? Sunday night. Sunday it would night. Be, yeah, because um, it would be seven days. Um, oh, so maybe it is. Saturday night. Saturday night, because I think yeah. it's, yeah. I've, I've actually yeah. completely lost that track of what day it is. <laughs> so um, I'm on a, on about day 37. No, that's yeah. not true. It's an exaggeration. But yeah, there's seven days from Saturday night. So we'll find out about that on Friday. Friday. Awesome. All right, thanks for joining us, guys. This was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. It's available most weeks on One News Online, and you can check us out on your favourite podcasting app. One job. One job.